Verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp around against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Verse 5. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. It's interesting that when, people, when I've heard people preach from Psalm 27 over the years, I have heard them speak in the context of worship, that's singing and music and, and intimacy with God and a desire for God's presence. And they, the focus of their message mainly is on verse 4. It's one thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And I, and I feel like while I was reading the psalm this week, I feel like people have preached this message or their message on worship out of context. Because the context of this psalm is really not intimacy with God. The context of this psalm is really not worship like we know it. They say, well, if you want to be a worshiper of God, then you need to be like David. And David in this moment is, 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 is talking about the one thing, the one thing, the one thing have I desired. And we, we have songs called one thing, and we have worship bands called the one thing, and we have churches called the one thing, and we have movements called the one thing movement in, in America, and it's spreading around the world. But I feel like we've missed the one thing. <laughs> I feel like we've really missed the thing that David is actually talking about. I'm not saying that the one thing that they're talking about is wrong. I'm just saying that somehow God opened our eyes, my eyes, to see the one thing that David was really talking about. Which means that we're pretty privileged. Because in the context of what David is talking about, he's not talking about, oh God, you know, in order for me to have my breakthrough, I need to work on my intimacy with you. Have you heard that being preached before? Hey man, you know, you're, you're not having a breakthrough because you're not spending time with God. You know, it's like, it's like that. You need to get into worship, brother. You need to worship. What they mean is sing. <laughs> What they mean is go and listen to some songs that you've not heard before or sing songs that, you know, that are, that are like my grandfather used to sing and my, grand, my father used to sing, that sings my soul. And you have to get into those moments and in those moments you'll feel the goosebumps. That is God. finished. That is it. That's it. That's it. You felt God and now you're close to him and your breakthrough is going to happen now. And I feel like we've missed really what this psalm is actually all about. And today I want to I want to speak, the title of my talk today is called The One Thing Strategy. Okay? The strategy of the church to solve all your problems is intimacy with God. Although it's not bad, okay, we need to have that intimacy with God. And we need to have a relationship with God. And that is really awesome. But most times I feel like people have, in order to have their breakthrough, go into a place where it's all about gazing upon Jesus. It's all about looking at his face. And his face is beautiful. It's beyond description. It's too marvelous for words. Okay? And I feel like people make it about, uh, about uh, you know, I want to be in the presence of God. Not realizing God is already present. 
He desires your presence more than you desire his presence. I don't think you got it. He gave up his life so that he can be in your presence. I feel like it needs to drop because you need to know how privileged you are. We think that we've, oh, I've said the sinner's prayer and I've given my life to God. No, no, but you're still living. I feel like we've missed what this psalm is all about. And, and we've made it about intimacy. We've made it about gazing. We've made it about romance. We've made it with, with, with the Lord, with God. You can be, you can have that love for the Lord and it's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But I feel like it, somehow it makes us get into a place where we don't really achieve anything in life. We, we, we really get into, a, into this place where we feel safe, but not safe enough to get out into the world and really do something for God. I feel like we, we get into this place of, of comfort where it's all about Jesus and it's all about his eyes and, it's all, and we're, we're busy describing it and, and it's, all about, uh, it's all about, you know, frolicking with the daffodils, going, daffodils, going to heaven and, and coming back and, and you're drinking the water from the river of life. And, and although there's nothing wrong with it, I'm not trying to say I, I'm the person who, used, who promotes most of that stuff. I, I'm, I'm the one who talks about it most of the time. I'm the one who actually has those encounters with God. I have encounters with God every single day of the week. I'm encountering God's presence. I'm encountering angels. I'm encountering heaven. All of it but not in heaven here and see people are so heavenly minded that they're not earthly good people are so focused on heaven that they don't really want to do anything with the life that God has given them and so the context really of this of this psalm or the one thing strategy that David has is is really realigning his focus where it needs to be. See, the, the context of this psalm is David is really in the worst place of his life. I mean, he describes his enemies that are coming around him. He describes them as an army of people that are coming around him. There's a, the enemies are coming around. They hate him so much that they want to eat his flesh. Oh, come on now. And he begins to describe how these enemies are around him. And sometimes you might feel like your boss is eating your flesh in the office. Or your wife, who is, doesn't have a renewed mind, nags you so much that she's like eating my brain. Have you heard of it? Eating my brains. She's man, she's chewing my brains. He's eating my brains, you know. Have you heard of that, those things? Yeah, well, you're basically in the same place that David is. I'm glad you're looking at it as a joke. <laughs> And the one thing strategy is not to get intimate with God in order to have a breakthrough, but rather use intimacy with God as a strategy to get focused with God. Hmm. The focus is not, let me get into, let me, let me feel the goosebumps and the gooey gooey feeling for God again. Then when I feel that, then I become uh, you know, I'll have my breakthrough. No, it's not like that. God's more interested in you believing his word, yeah. believing what he has to say, and then bringing you into a place of intimacy with him. Because you can't be intimate with the person when you don't believe what they have to say. If my wife says, I love you, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know. Maybe only on Sunday. Huh? Today Sunday. Sunday, love day. Oh, okay, okay. No, no, it doesn't work like that. If my wife says she loves me, which means she has always loved me, I have a testimony of her, of her love for me. She loved me yesterday. She loves me today. She loves me right now. And she will always love me forever. See, our focus on, with God is momentary intimacy with him so that I can now feel right with God. But God is not interested in your feelings because God is not emotional. God is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. What that means is freedom is a, is a sense of being free from an emotion called fear. So where the spirit of the Lord is, there is 
which means my mind is absolutely free from any emotion that causes me or, or cripples me or puts me in prison. Are you with me? So the context here that David is talking about is my God in the middle of warfare, in the middle of people wanting to kill me, in the middle of persecution, in the middle of the worst season of my life. He makes declarations of his faith in God. He doesn't say, God, your presence is so awesome. I love your presence and I love you and I love... No, no, no. He's talking about how awesome God is. He's talking about how amazing. He's making a declaration of his faith in who God was, who God is, who God will forever be. Because he knows that when he does that, it get, takes him into a hiding place with God. Are you with me? You may be going through a circumstance in your life that, is, that makes you feel like that. The strategy, the one thing strategy that you need to have for your life is to be able to get your focus aligned with who God was, who God is, and who God will be forever. And the minute you get your focus in line, your perspective of your situation changes. Are you with me? Are you with me? So the, you know, the, the strategy of the enemy for many years, he also has a one thing strategy. And he starts with that one thing and then the strategy changes according to the situation of how you respond. I was being a little sarcastic there, but I guess you didn't get it, but that's okay. That's not a problem. The enemy has a strategy as well. And that strategy is also, also comes to you as the word. David in this moment, he's talking about God. He's declaring who God is in his life. And as he declares who God is in his life, his ears begin to hear what his mouth is saying. And as his ears begins to hear what his mouth says, faith on the inside of him begins to rise up. And when faith rises up, it puts him in a cycle of success rather than failure. See, the same thing happens with the enemy. His strategy is also the word. Not this, not the word. It's lies that come in the form of words in our ears. It may come through the people in our workplace. It may come through the news on the television. It may come through even Christians in the church. But the question is, do you, when the word comes to you from the enemy, do you recognize that that is a lie from the enemy or that is the word of God coming to me? Because if you know God's word, if you know God, you will know his word. If you know his word, you will respond to him. Why? Because your response is a worship to God. Are you with me? And so David now, he, he responds to God based on the word that he's listening about the enemy. The strategy that the enemy has, ladies and gentlemen, is one that comes to you and tells you the outcome of fear. The strategy that the enemy has is fear. It's his first strategy that he uses in your life. When there's a circumstance that you're involved in or a situation that you may be in, the enemy comes to you and he puts fear, doubt, anxiety in your ears. And when he puts fear in your ears, if you choose to now meditate on that word, what begins to happen is you, you're crippled by that word. Fear cripples your heart. It cripples your, your mind. And when it cripples your mind, it, it becomes a, a the, what the Bible says, a stronghold in your mind. And when you're crippled, you make statements like, oh, brother, I'm, I'm so sick, you know. No, brother, she's, there's no hope, you know, for this situation. Oh, you know, my father did this and my mother's like, he's always like that. Always, oh, never, never change. He'll never, never change. I never, but Pastor, you know, I've tried to do, I've tried to change, you know, I've never changed. And, and you hear what you're saying? You, I've tried to change, but I'll never change, you know. And, and I've tried to change the situation in my office, but it's, it never changes, Pastor. But see, what's happened is you've believed a lie, you've meditated on that lie, and now that lie is beginning to speak through your mouth, and as your, as your ears hear what your mouth says, you get stuck in a cycle of death and destruction that you can never get out of. And some Christians are wondering, why, why am I in this situation today? Why am I not getting out of this situation? It's because you chose to believe a lie. 
He chose to believe a word of the enemy and now that's caused you for over years now to live in a cycle of death and destruction. See, you need to understand that when, when David says, there are armies around me, pay very close attention to this because you will understand what I'm getting at. There are armies around me. There are, there, there, people are trying to eat my flesh. And, and he's talking to God, but at the same time, he's, he's saying, God, but I know you are my healer. I know you can set me free. I know who you are. I know you've done this before. I know, I know, I know, I know. What he's doing is he's describing to us the state of the enemy and his position in God. Do you understand? When we are being attacked and surrounded by an enemy, God is trying to tell us that the size of the attack equals to the measure of the blessing that you will walk in. Come on now. Do you understand? Maybe this is the word for someone today. But the size of your giant is determined by the size of the blessing he's protecting. Oh, come on now. Come on, man. If you've been struggling with habits for many years and, and you can't seem to get out of it, guess what? The devil is protecting a big blessing for you and he's getting bigger and bigger in your life. And as he gets bigger and bigger in your life, he's trying to fight you. He's trying to put, cripple you. He's trying to make you feel weak so that you don't receive the blessing that God has for your life. The bigger the devil the greater his protection over your blessing. Come on, man. We want, Pastor, I have received a prophetic word for business over my life. Yeah, what have you done with it? Nothing. You've done nothing about business. You know why? Oh, no, no, Pastor, you know, because I don't have uh, uh, funding. Oh, oh, really? Oh, okay. Oh, no, I don't have business, but no investment coming in. Really? But God said, you're going to be a businessman. God said that you will be successful in what you do. Yeah. Right? Why? See, the problem is that now when, when God said you'll be a businessman, the enemy came to you and said, where's the money going to come from? You look at your bank account. Look at your mother's bank account. Look at your uncle and auntie. None of them can give you any money. Where do you think this money is going to come from? I'm a businessman. And you, and you come and it's been five years now since you got this prophetic word and you're, you're like, I believe, I'm, I believe, I believe, I believe. We sing the songs in church, I believe. And then suddenly one tear will come out and, and when you see the tear come out, oh my God, maybe God's presence is on me. I'm feel, I feel, maybe today I'll be a businessman, tomorrow I'll be a, I'm waiting for the confirmation. Confirmation, confirmation. Why do you need a confirmation? Why do you need a confirmation? And so we have people now procrastinating over years when God has said, you're going to be a businessman. And so the enemy has crippled you. Five years ago, you could have been awesome. It's been five years being a businessman. You could have been awesomer than what you were before. You've wasted five years of your life. See, this is what is happening in the context of this psalm. The context of this psalm is in the midst of warfare, in the midst of the worst season of my life, God is revealing a strategy to me. A strategy is the greater the enemy that comes against me, huh? There's awesome blessing that's ahead for me, right? So the greater the opposition for me, the, the, the God is revealing to me that, wow, man, I have an awesome blessing that's ahead for me. But at the same time, the enemy wants to take my life out so that he can stop me from doing what God has called me to do. So what's my strategy? My strategy is I need to come into a place where I start declaring the goodness of God in my life. When I start declaring the goodness of God in my life, it breaks the hold of fear, breaks the hold of doubt, breaks the hold of anxiety, breaks the hold of the enemy over your life that cripples you and causes you not to move out and step out in what God has called you to do. See, we are crippled in the presence of God. And we're asking God to heal us. When God is saying, believe the word I've given you. Speak the word I've given you. Prophesy the word I've given you. 
Because in that moment, when you prophesy and you speak and declare, yes, faith rises up on the inside of you. But at the same time, God now positions you right with him. See, the enemy cannot touch you if you are right with God. The enemy cannot touch you if you are right with God. And the way you are right with God is by believing the word that he's given you. Oh, come on now. The strategy the enemy has is to weaken you before you inherit the blessing that he's controlling. See, every blessing that God has given, every prophetic word that God has given to you in this church, right? The enemy is outside there waiting for you to step out of these doors because he's not here. He can't come here. Here's where you receive truth that sets you free when you go out of these doors, right? And so the enemy is standing outside the tea and coffee section over there. <laughs> Huh? He's, uh, he's, he's actually guarding your blessing over there. Well, some of you leave the room early because oh, brother, my stomach is talking to me. No, how can you feel hungry when God is speaking his word to you? Huh? Anyway, 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 anyway. No, didn't mean to go, didn't mean to go down that road. I don't mean to be mean, but I mean to be truthful. Uh, <laughs> We've preached this psalm as one that says, you have to have the one thing, the desire for God's presence. And God is saying, Baba, can you just believe what I'm telling you? If you believe what I'm saying, speak it, speak it out, speak the word, just speak life. I love what Gemma's testimony, she just, she just heard, I mean, that was probably God giving a revelation of, speak life, speak life, because I've done that so many times over here. One person picked it up and she went to the hospital, she's like, oh, speak life, speak life, speak. So as she spoke the word, the situation changed. We've got to come into a, pla a place with God where we really understand how powerful we are. We're very powerful people. We're powerful because we're standing in power. We're powerful because the source of power is now on the inside of us. If you only knew how much power you had in, the in, your, in, in your voice, in, in, on the tip of your tongue, you would start setting people free. You would start setting your situations free. You would start setting your business free. See, most people really don't like their jobs. Most of them. They don't like their jobs. They don't like what they do. And so that's why they never bless their, their companies. I'm, I've, I've, in, in many years of being a Christian, I've come across maybe a handful of people that came to me and said, man, I really love my job. Man, my boss hates me, but I really love him. He doesn't know how good he's got it, but I love him. And I bless him. And, I, and, I, and, and people don't understand that if you don't learn to bless your company, you won't get blessed. You won't have a job if you don't bless your company. So you have to be strategic with how you bless. Anyway, that's, that's, very, that's a different story altogether. Okay? That's another message altogether. The size of the attack... The size of the giant is the size of your blessing in the new season. See, God is preparing a new, has prepared a new season for each and every one of us. Every single person in this room has a new season. I'm prophesying it right now. Has a new season ahead of you. But there's a devil that is guarding that new season. Now you're not celebrating, huh? huh? What happened, huh? Only rose. It's like, oh, devil? But I thought it was blessing. Yeah, but you need to understand that, that Jesus says, the prince of this world is coming. Prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. No. <laughs> huh? The prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. Which means when the enemy comes to touch your life, does he have lies that you have believed in you? Some people may say, no, 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 no. I don't have any lies right now. No, no, no. Have you ever believed that you were fat? <laughs> have you ever believed that you were ugly? 
Have you ever believed that you were, you, you were not, not right with God? Have you ever believed that God forgot you? Have you ever believed that you were not blessed? Have you ever believed that this is the wrong church you need to be in? It's an abomination in this house. <laughs> Have you ever believed that you are poor? Not everybody is saying no. Which means most of you have been believing lies. Have you ever believed that you are not good enough? You can't do it. Now, no, yeah, yes. Now the truth's coming out. Yeah. I want to encourage you to listen to the last 20 minutes of my sermon and receive the strategy all over again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, uh, in Numbers 13, if you can go there, Numbers 13, we see that Israel <clears throat> is now come to the place where God wants to, hey man, where you, hi, how are you all doing? You okay? Good to see you. I, for, at one second, I, I was here and I saw you all at the back, and then I came this side and you all, wow, this is translocation. There's yeah. glory in this room. So good to see you all sitting here. So good. There's someone who's listening to the sound of my voice right now. Someone in this room and also listening to the sound of my voice. Listen to me very carefully. Don't take your life. The enemy is telling you to take your life. But God is saying, you are worth it. And right now, I break the spirit of suicide over your life. Right now. You will never touch your life again. You will never, this thought will never come in your mind again. Never. Never. We as a family, we love you. We as a family, you have, we have hope in you. That God has a great calling over your life. Don't take your life. Are you at Numbers 13? Awesome. So Numbers 13, we see, we see that the Israelites come out of Egypt and they travel for all these years. And they've come now to the brink of entering the promised land. It's the same place. We are all in this season now. I, I'm telling you 2019. Two thousand nineteen, January two thousand first of January two thousand nineteen. I see an explosion of blessing over our lives. Yeah. And the reason I had another sermon planned, and God yesterday, last night, told me, please just put this right now. We have strategy to discuss. Right? Because I was going to preach a message called All is Well on the Sovereignty of God because you know all is well, it is well, all is well. And I was going to preach on because it was perfect landing for the plane and everybody is going to be all, all, everything in your life was going to be well after that message. But I think God is not interested in making all things well. In the sense that, in the sense that he's, he's preparing your heart to not focus on everything around you, but he wants to focus your heart on the future because the future is greater. The blessing is greater, right? So Israel is in the same place that our church is in. Can I say that? Most of us want this blessing, right? But we need to prepare ourselves for the blessing. If you don't prepare yourself for the blessing, you won't be able to steward the blessing when you do get it. Do you understand? Right? So in Numbers 13, we see Israel now who at the, at the foot of their blessing. And the Lord says, hey, Moses. Get some spies, which means they were spies. They were known for, to be spies. Okay? We've had many spies in this church. <laughs> but the good thing is, they've always spoken the truth. They've come here and something has changed and they went out and they really said good things about us. Because there's nothing happening that is bad in this church. Yeah. yeah, it's all good. Touch your neighbor and say, it's all good, man. It's all good, it's all good. Just enjoy it, enjoy it, it's all good. 
See, Mario and Jeba not touching one another. I'll say, come on, yeah. You're all married, sitting next to each other. He's <laughs> like, mm, so good. <laughs> so, Numbers 13. Oh my gosh, this is like the fifth time I'm saying Numbers 13. <laughs> numbers 13. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All you law-abiding citizens, yes. Moses gives the spies clear instructions, very clear instructions, okay? He says, go out and look into the land of Canaan. All they must do is see and come back and tell Moses the report. All they need to do is see and come back and say what they see. No interpretation needed. Okay? All they needed to do was meant to see if the people were weak or strong, whether they were few or many, whether the land is good or bad, whether they live in camps or strongholds, and to bring back some fruit. It's nice, no? My dad used to go out on, on, on his trips on the railways. Every time he comes back, come back with a bag of fruit. Felt like a spy. But he wasn't a spy. But he just loved, he knew that his son loved fruit, and so he knew that his son was going to be fruitful. So... Anyway, so he was prophesying. It's a prophetic word. See how you can... When you go to the supermarket, you look at the fruit, you go, Hey, God is saying something to me. Fruitful. Put bag full of fruit. Somebody put a post on Instagram, I think, or Facebook about fruit. I can see it right now. Who's that? Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Did you put it? When did you put it? This morning. Have you seen... Uh, did I see it? I did. Which means I was preparing my, my sermon and on Instagram. Anyway, so I had a prophetic word for you. That the Lord said that you in this season are going to be very fruitful. Very yeah. fruitful. Everything that you put your hand to, you will be blessed. Absolutely blessed. But your responsibility is to multiply what God has given you. It's a responsibility. Because the world is waiting for someone who is fruitful and multiplied. Alright? Awesome. So, spies. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, I'm not a spy. <laughs> Are you a spy? We love spies in this church. I mean, I'm, we love spies in this church. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> And if you're a girl, Spice Girl. Hey, let's move on, let's move on, let's move on. It's going down the uh, wrong road now. Lord, Lord, come back, come back, come back. <laughs> it's a good thing to report what you see, but it's a bad report when you interpret what you see. When you interpret what you see according to your nature and your ability, it's called a bad report. <laughs> when, you, when you see something that is happening in your life and you, you bring a report back about what you see, but you interpret what you see according to your nature, your abilities, and your resources, it's called a bad report. Right. So when you see something in the natural and you hear something in the natural, if you interpret what you see Meaning, if you, if you interpret, if you see according to your nature or a lack of your, your abilities or lack of, of your finances, a lack of, your, of, of your, uh, your resources in your life, everything that you see, you will interpret into a bad report. But the spies were sent out because the Lord told Moses, Moses, I'm giving you this land. Like 2019 is going to be your year. Okay. 2019, you are going to be absolutely successful in everything that you put your hand to. It's a year of success. It's a year of blessing. It's a year of prosperity. It's a year where you will never live in lack. 2019 is a year where it's a year bumper crop. Bumper crop. Anyway, anyway. So I'm glad that this church has now really risen up to receiving the prophetic word. But now you have, I've given you a report about 2019. 
Because I've seen what it is like. See, but the problem is if you look at that now, bumper crop, what is bumper crop? How will it happen? How will I be successful? What do I need to do? How will I, where will I get the investment for the business? Where will I do this? Where will, if you've already started thinking like that, you've interpreted your future blessing according to your limitations of your present. And the Lord is saying, stop doing that. Stop making your future look like your present. Because if you do that, your future will look like your past. The Lord is saying this to us, that we have to come into a place where we, we start interpreting the future according to His nature, according to His ability, according to His resources, according to His character. Oh, Pastor, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'll ever get rid of this habit. Whoa, He has already done it. You're looking at your life and your future according to what, who God is to you, who he is in this moment to you, who he will be forever to you. We've got to come into a place where interpretation belongs to the Lord. Our responsibility is to see and say yes. Oh, come on. That's a good word. A good word. Our responsibility to God is to see the future. Look at the enemy and say yes. Yeah. I say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Amen. Come on now. Amen. Come on now. And so these guys come and they, they bring a report. Now they, they've got for 40 days they were spies. I mean they're phenomenal guys man. They're really good. Some spies have, have stayed in our church from, from the day they came and then they never left. That's awesome. Now you're, you're family. Now, now, because I know you're a good spy, I can send you to survey the land. <laughs> I can commission you, apostolic commission. Spying, this is a new ministry in the church. Oh my gosh, stop it. Just stop it. Just stop it. Oh. It's amazing that we can laugh about stuff like this, you know, and be so serious. God is so funny at times, you know. <sighs> and, so, and so Moses sends these guys out and for 40 days, they, they spy out the land and they, they look at everything that is happening and they come back with the blessing. I mean, let me, let me tell you something. They come back with only a, a fraction of the blessing of the land. The cluster of grapes that they bought was so, one cluster of grapes was so big that two men had to carry it on a stick and come back. Can you imagine? How, either, just, just think how the enemy has fooled people to think that you can come into my country, rob a massive cluster of grapes and I won't know it. <laughs> just think, just think. Either they're really good spies or these people in that country they're just absolutely blind. They're living in so much of blessing. Just wait, it's going to drop. They're living in so much of blessing that they're not seeing how God is moving the righteous people into the right place at the right time. Come on now. Come on now. Your company doesn't know that God has secretly placed righteous people in key positions this nation did not know when God started placing key people, righteous people in this nation because the blessing of the Lord, it belongs to the righteous. Come on. Come on now. Come on. Really good. Really good. Really good. Let's go. Are you in Numbers 13? <laughs> I, 17? Seven, oh, eight now. So I want to I read from verse 25. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. And now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran in, at Kadesh. They brought back word, say word, word, to them. What you see is what you hear. When somebody brings back word to you, you need to ask them, is it only what you, what you heard or what you heard and saw? Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. 
Like I'm seeing you right now. I'm seeing you as a word coming to me. Your name is Noel? Noel, right? What's your name, sir? What's your name? Yeah. What's it? Owen. Owen, right? Now, you introduced yourself to me before the, before, as when the service began, right? Now, the Lord says that, that your past, the pain in your past, the Lord is reversing it and making it into joy from this day on. Everything in your life is turning around. Even, even your relationship with family, there's going to be peace in the family. I see peace all around you. And you're, the Lord has chosen you to be the peace bringer into your family, right? Now, now when, when, when he, what's your name again? Owen, right. When Owen introduced himself to me, he gave me a word. He told me about himself. Do you understand? He didn't just speak into my ear. He, I looked at him and the Lord spoke to me. You understand? He looks at you and you know exactly whether he's in a good mood or bad mood. Huh? He's a happy guy or not a happy guy. Huh? He likes being here or he doesn't like being here. He feels forced that he came here. Whatever it is, he's, he's, he's talking to you. Are you with me? So what you see is also a word that God is giving you. Are you with me? Right? So where were we? The word to them. And all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Verse 27. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. They should have just stopped there. They shouldn't have gone any further. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in that land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and CNN and BBC and, and all the dwell in the mountains and, and Facebook and, and Instagram and the Canaanites dwell and, and then Hotmail and Gmail and, and Emirates NBD and all these banks. Look, 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 look. Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. <laughs> I'm telling you, they were all there in the promised land, man. Emirates NBD, right? Emirates NBD, right? It's your promise. That's why you went there. It's the bank of your promise. Take it, take it, take it. Nobody knows what is happening, but it's fine. It's okay. Verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people down. Thank you, God, for Caleb. Is he here? Still in Abu Dhabi? Release him, Lord, from Abu Dhabi. Because we need, <laughs> we need to hear his voice. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession. For we are well able to overcome. But the men who had gone up with them said, We are not able to go, brother. <laughs> We're not able to go, sister, up against these people. For they are stronger than us. And they gave the children of Israel a of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people who we saw in it are men of great stature, which means they were eating people. There we, no, seriously, they were eating people as sacrifices. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Enoch, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. How many of you know, stop interpreting? Stop interpreting. See and tell. If the Lord says 2019 is going to be an awesome year, Guess what's going to happen in the next two months? <laughs> huh? The Lord has sent a spy called John. And he's seen what 2019 is going to look like. And he's come back. And he's giving you a report now. He's giving you a report according to the interpretation of what God is saying about 2019 and not what the enemy is saying about 2019. It's very important that God interprets our dreams because he's the one who gave it to us. Many people come to me and say, Pastor, can you please interpret my dream? And they expect me to interpret the dream the way they want the interpretation. 
and not the way God wants the interpretation. And see, for me, it's very important that all interpretation happens from this book right here. Everything, this is the foundation of our life. And when we talk anything, it happens from here. And so now these guys have come and brother Caleb and now Joshua also further down. If you read these two chapters, Joshua comes into the picture and says, come on, man. God has given us this land. He's already spoken to us and he's given us this land. Why don't we just strengthen ourselves? Why don't we talk about how God was a pillar of fire and a cloud by day? Why don't we talk about how he fed us every single day manna from heaven? How, how about let's talk about the moments when we struck a rock and water came out of, of, of these impossible situations. And the Lord is saying now that land belongs to you. Why don't we focus on what God is saying and not what the enemy is saying? Because what the enemy is saying is too huge for you. It's too big for you to interpret according to your own understanding. And so now we have giants in the land. He's saying the land is devouring the people. Well, guess what? The land did devour the people with the Israelites. Oh, come on. No, 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 no. You, you didn't get it. it. It happened according to their interpretation. If you read through the story of Israel because of their idol worship and because of their bickering and nagging and shouting and doubting God, God opened up the earth and swallowed the ones who... But it's according to the interpretation. And God and Joshua comes to, to the people and says, listen, guys, we can do this. We have God's word for us. We have the promises of God. We are able to do this. But don't rebel against God. How do you rebel against God? How do you rebel against your father? Because your father is saying go one way and you choose to go another way. When you rebel against God, when, when, when the direction is given for the next year and you chose to go another direction. You're sitting in this room and God has said to you. Every person in this room, 2019 looks awesome. Okay? Now, if you set up yourself for disappointment, you're moving in rebellion. And if you read through the passage further down, we see that God removed, there were 12 spies, 10 of them complained, 10 of them gave a wrong interpretation, and 10 of them were struck with plagues. Only two survived. The ones who said, man, God has given us a word. We will go where God is saying we will go. We will do what God is saying we will do. We will conquer these giants. We will take over the land because God is with us. Yeah. But see, the, the issue with most Christians, when they hear a negative word, when they hear fear and doubt and anxiety and lies and all these words that come into their heart, what they do is they, they dwell on it. Because, you know, all these words, these lies from the enemy, they make you feel sorry for yourself. They make you, you the focus of the attention and not God. It's called idol worship. Come on. When you are the focus of your conversations, when you are the focus of your future, guess what's going to happen? God says, I am a jealous God. I will have no other idol before me. If you idolize yourself, then you will feel sorry for yourself. When you feel sorry for yourself, you will start making sorry decisions and making sorry choices. And guess what? You'll have sorry results. Everybody will come to you and say, sorry. No place here. Sorry, can't do business with you. Sorry, apologies is very, very professional language. Apologies. This is a, this is a regret email. This is a regret email. I'm sorry, there's no space in my newspaper. Sorry, there's no space on the radio station. Sorry, there's no space on TV. Sorry, there's no space for a job in my company. Sorry, 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 sorry. It's because you've invested sorry seeds into your life. But when you, when you say God... I totally understand what you're saying. I'm a part of a plan. I'm a part of your plan for the earth. So I understand that this blessing is not only just for me, but it is to steward your blessing for the future, for the earth. 
so that the earth can be blessed, so that people can be blessed. I mean, when we started life, I did not know that people who are in other countries would be receiving Jesus just by listening to the, to the word. But I just, we just said, God, we're going to do it. People came to us and said, people came to us and said, no, no, it won't happen. What, what are you doing? No, 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 no. I'll give you six months. People said, I'll give you six months. I said, okay. Thank you for your six months, but I don't need it. Because God has given me a long life. <laughs> and so now, what happens is when you listen to negative stuff, you can't do it. You're not good enough. Too fat, too thin, too anorexic, too ugly, too beautiful, too beautiful. I've heard people say, you can't do it because you're too beautiful. You're too qualified for, my, for this job. I mean, there, there's, there's a types of lies and there are other types. Which make you feel good and stab you at the same time. Like, I mean, I don't understand how that works. Anyway, so, so when people start dwelling on the lies, it, it begins to create what is called a stronghold in the mind. And a stronghold in the mind is a thought that has captured your, your attention, that has captured you, that has crippled you. And now, as you keep thinking about it, it builds a fortress in your mind that is so high that nothing you do will be able to destroy it. It starts with one seed. It starts with believing one lie. And the strategy of the enemy is to just give you lies. You just take one, free. God has known us before time and he's given us millions of seeds. Why don't we look at what he is saying about our lives? Why don't we meditate on his word? Why don't we meditate on, on what God has to say about my future? Why don't we sit in church and we receive the word like as if we really are receiving seeds on good ground? Why don't we meditate on God's word? Because the more you meditate on God's word, the Bible says that you will become like a strong tower. The righteous run into the Lord and they are saved. The glory of the Lord. The Lord is my shield and my buckler. He is the glory and the lifter of my head. Why don't we focus on, 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 on the Lord's word rather than what the enemy has to say? Come on. Amen. The mothers are getting it. And see, the, what, what happens is that when, when we have these strongholds in our minds, the Bible talks about, it, 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 it defines them as high thoughts and imaginations. See, these high thoughts and imaginations are not, not, not high thoughts as in like, oh, smoke, you know, and get, wow, man, I'm high, I'm high, you know, I'm having a high thoughts now. No, 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 no. These thoughts are so high, these lies are so high that you can't even reach to get them out from your mind. And you, that's why the reason you're still struggling with the habits that you still have is because it's a stronghold in your mind. I'm so glad you got that because I want to take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I want to give you the strategy. Strategy. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Are you there? For we... For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, which is fleshy, but mighty in God for the pulling down of? Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This is how you do it. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish, say punish, all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. It's amazing. The strategy that Paul is talking about, when you are struggling with, with things that you've always struggled with, you know, you know, oh, pastor, you know, I've always had this issue in my life. Oh, my goodness, I don't, I don't see any hope in this situation. What you need to do is come to this verse, and you need to read it line by line. And it says, what you're practicing in the flesh. Pastor, I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm giving money, I'm, I'm coming to church regularly on time, and then, and then I'm worshiping in the front. I'm doing everything I need to do. But I can't seem to get this thing out of my life. I'm still struggling. I have two good days and three bad days. And then how many other days after that? Oh, yeah. 
and then two days you're trying to recover to have the good days. Are you with me? Anybody going through that? You can put your hand up, it's okay. If you're struggling, yeah, very good, yeah. Because see, the people who put their hand up are the ones who are going to get set free now. God is saying that there are strongholds in our mind. Strongholds. It means that the thought has a very strong hold, a grip over your mind. Which means you will, can't think of anything else except that thing. In the moment, you will have momentary pleasure. But the minute you get out of that place, it's back to that same place again. That same thought, that same sin, that same rejection, that same issue. Over and over again, Pastor, I don't see any hope with my life. The reason you don't see any hope is because that high thought is blocking your vision from seeing a better future. And so now Paul is saying, man, you pull down these strongholds. How do we pull down strongholds? Firstly, we need to recognize that the thought in our mind is a, has a stronghold over us and we feel powerless because we obey it. Are you with me? We need to recognize that this thought in our mind has a stronghold over us. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities and powers of darkness. Man, we're, 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 we're human. We have flesh as well. Not as well. We have flesh. As well as our spirit and our soul. But we don't walk in the flesh. How do you walk in the flesh, Pastor? Please give me an example. Let me, I'll, I'll give you an example that you already are walking in, probably. But you're driving your car and somebody cuts you. Instantly you feel, <laughs> blood rushes to the brain. Huh? And then you do exactly what they've done. <laughs> okay, he's not moving. Okay, let me move to this lane. And now, come on, look, look at that. What you've done, you've responded to an attack of flesh with flesh. Are you with me? But we are spirit beings. Say spirit beings. We don't respond to the flesh. Because our weapons of warfare are different. When somebody cuts us on the road, Just, just check that thought there. <laughs> huh? Because the thought has come. It's like the devil is sitting in the car with you. Somebody cuts. Hey, cut him, cut him, cut him. Push his car from the back. Flash, 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 flash. Flesh. We are more fleshy than we think. You know, we're spiritual. We think we're spiritual. Wow, I mean, I'm spiritual. No, man. Oh, we are all suffering here. I'm telling you, we all, <laughs> we all go through this. The guys who don't have cars who just came into the UAE are like, no, no, brother, no, no. <laughs> really? Huh? When you were in India, you were driving and there was a bullock cart in front of you. What were you doing? Pa, 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 pa. <laughs> like that, that bull is going to hear what you're saying through your horn. It's like interpretation. <laughs> hey, praise Jesus. <laughs> we need to recognize that this thought in our mind has a stronghold over us and we feel powerless because we obey it. Every time it says, go and sin. Even if you don't want to, you still go and sin. Even, even if you want, you come to church and like, I'm going to give up cigarette smoking. Cigarette. No smoking shisha also. Nothing. Even I'm going, Father, because we want blessing. Father, I, even the people who are smoking, I stay away from them. And God's like, uh, listen, those are the people that I'm sending you to. <laughs> How does it work like that? It doesn't work. Anyway. So the first thing is we need to recognize that this is a stronghold in our life. The second thing is we pull down these strongholds by casting down every argument that rises against the knowledge of God. Which means if I don't have the knowledge of God in me, there's no argument. 
If I'm not in the word, I'm not receiving the word, I'm not hearing God's voice for my life, every time I'm pushed to get into the flesh, there's no argument, there's only obedience. Yeah, we pull down these, these strongholds by casting down every argument that rises against the knowledge of God. See, the enemy doesn't come to challenge you. Please listen to me very carefully. He actually likes you. That's why he comes so close to you. But what he comes to challenge is the thing that makes you more powerful than him. He comes to bring an argument in you. He comes to deceive the, the truth that is on the inside of you. Now you've sat in this message, you walk out of these doors and he will start telling you, that man only jokes. <laughs> no, no word, brother, no word, no word. Oh no, look, see, you're still struggling with the same thing. The truth hasn't set you free. But the problem is you have a stronghold. It's not, he's, not, he's not highlighting the stronghold. He's highlighting God, saying God is so weak in you. Do you get it? You get it. And so now you walk away from this room. You should walk away from this room after we're done. And you should say, God, I receive your word. And every time the enemy says something that is contrary to God's word, not your interpretation, God's word, then you can argue against it and say this, if the enemy comes and said, no, 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 you're not loved in this church. No, 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 God doesn't love you. You have to say, no, 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 hold on a minute. It was God who loved me first. A lot of times people say, oh, pastor, the pastor comes on the, on the pulpit and say, return to your first love. And I'm like, how? How do I return to my first love? I don't get it. It was not me who loved him first. You need to understand that God loved us first. And when he says, return to your first love, he's not saying, have this gooey feeling on the inside for God again. He's saying, get your focus realigned to the love that loved you first so that you can begin to experience the first love and you can now respond to him with first love again. Right, so, so here he's saying, pull down these strongholds that, 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 that cause arguments in your mind about God and God's people. Bill Johnson has an awesome statement. He says this, I don't allow a thought in my mind that God is not thinking about me. Phenomenal thought. I wanted to add to it, okay? Can I add to it? Yeah. I'm not going to allow another thought that God doesn't have about me in my mind, about myself and people around me. It's very important that we understand that we look at ourselves and we look at people around us with the way God sees them, the way God sees us. If we do that now, we're not, we're not allowing a thought to become a stronghold in my mind. So which means if, if I have a bad thought about Ken, which I don't, if Ken does something and, I have a, and, and, and when he does something, that thought comes to me, it comes to challenge the knowledge of God in me. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doesn't come to, to say, oh, Ken, Ken is a bad person. No, no, he comes to say that God doesn't love Ken. That's why you shouldn't love Ken. Do you, do you understand? Do you, are you getting it now? You're getting it. So when I have a bad thought about Ken, maybe I've misunderstood what Ken was trying to do. Maybe he has good intentions, but he made a mistake. But at the end of the day, that's first love. The thought... The knowledge of God is God loved first. If God loved first, mistake second, I love first. Amen. Do you understand? We've got to come into this place where we love each other first the way God loves us first. It's the only way that you can push the thoughts of the enemy outside your mind. The third thing, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. It's very important you understand this because Christ was obedient. Your obedience is the grace of God, the grace of Christ in you. Even if you wanted to obey God, you can't do it. Come on now. Even if you thought, today I'm going to obey God, somehow or the other you will disobey him. See, because you need to come into this place where you understand that you live by faith in Christ. You are in Christ. It is his obedience that brings the blessing to you. 
And so every negative thought that is not of Christ, you have to bring it in subjection to the knowledge of Christ. All right? And the fourth thing, this is my favorite, my favorite, my favorite one. We punish disobedience by our obedience. This is how you bring those strongholds down. Every time the enemy says, don't do that. Because he said, don't do it, I will punish you by doing it. When the enemy says, when you come to church and the enemy says, no, no, don't lift your hand. No, no, I lift my hand and I'll jump. When the enemy says, oh, look, 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 you don't have any money in the bank account. Hold on. Whatever I have in my wallet, that also I will give because I know my provision comes from the Lord. Man. I feel like we need to attack disobedience. We need to punish it. I've heard people saying, I want to punish you because you're disobedient. No, no, don't punish me, brother. Punish the disobedience. Well, this takes parenting to a whole other realm altogether. But I'll leave that with you because I don't want to go down parenting and marriage today because I think we're, we're, pretty, we're done pretty well today. So, yeah, so... So this evening, I really feel like there are people in this room who have, um, who have really been misguided by, by, by the words of the enemy, misguided by wrong doctrine, misguided by wrong interpretation of the scriptures. And, and it's caused you to live in, in, in a lie. We're going to have the, the, the worship team up, please, if you can come up. And, and I feel like God is giving us an invitation to, to really move into the blessing that he has for us. But the blessing he has for us is being guarded by an enemy that he must take out. You need to understand that, that when, when the Israelites, please pay attention to me right now. When the Israelites rebelled against God, it, that's when God introduced the law. The people who rebelled against God never got to see the promised land. They never got to experience the blessing that God has for their life. Today you're sitting in this room and, and God is saying, well, you, you, have, you have rebelled in the past. You have made mistakes in the past. But today, I want to start brand new with you. God is giving us an invitation to start brand new again. Oh, I did not know I was being deceived. Well, now you know you were being deceived. Well, I did not know I was believing lies. Well, now you know you were believing lies. It's the little things that, the little foxes that spoil the vine. And the Lord, the Lord is inviting us to, to, to take off the pressure of lies that we've believed. The pressure that, that lies and anxiety and doubt has really put us in a position that, that has crippled us. It's, there's strongholds in the mind. This feels like a prison. I can't seem to have a breakthrough in this thought. I'm constantly fearful. I'm constantly anxious. I'm constantly bitter. I'm constantly hurt. I'm constantly rejected. And because I feel rejected, I hang out with people and they naturally just reject me. And I feel like God is inviting us into, into the David moment where he wants to give us the strategy, the one thing strategy. And the strategy is not intimacy so that you can have a breakthrough. The strategy is realign your focus to who God was to you, who He is, who He is in this moment, and who He will always be. Let's stand up. <clears throat> Let's stand up. Great.